This is the strategy inside everything. I'm Adam Pierno. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Inside Everything. This one has been a long time coming. I have been uh, connected with uh, our guest today, Kenneth Kinney, for is it over a year that we've been uh, trading yeah. ideas. Yeah, trading trading ideas. We've been waiting for the right time to uh, to connect on this show, and and I think the topic uh, finally popped up that we were like, yes, this is the one. This this is a good time. But I want to introduce Kenneth to everybody listening. Um, he's he's a kind of a a uh, jack of all trades. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's a black belt in several disciplines. Um, he is also a marketing consultant, and he is today the VP of Marketing and Digital Strategy at AI Media Group. Kenneth, welcome to the Strategy Inside Everything. How are you? Thank you. Doing great. And uh, you said we were trading ideas. We were trading inside stock tips. <laughs> SEC, if you're listening, that is not true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, hey, before we get started on today's topic, do you want to give people a little bit of your career background and just catch them up on on who you are and what you've done? Yeah, you bet. So, you know, my nickname is Shark, and I, I do a podcast called The Shark's Perspective. But some of that came from my own, you know, love for, for, for scuba and for swimming uh, with sharks since I was a kid. I've been doing that most of my life. But one of the things that I... I tend to think I've been able to do in my own career, maybe that's a little bit different is that I've, I've worked as a consultant. I've worked as a, uh, as an agency like I do now. I've worked on the brand side a lot. Uh, I've been a solopreneur and an entrepreneur before, you know, and worked also with, as a publisher. And so when you worked in all those different forms, I think it sort of gives me uh, a decent holistic view of, of how to look at the customer from all sides not only I mean, a lot of us pretend that we are the customer in marketing, it sort of goes with that. But I tend to think, try to think of all the views of how the customer sees us or how we see the customer. Yeah. I'm, and all that various perspective is why I wanted to connect with you because through all those, there's a thread of understanding yeah. media, understanding uh, the way people consume media and what people prioritize in media uh, and the idea of, um, not just media, but consumer behavior and understanding that you're very uh, uniquely able to express in a, in a digestible way for people. So, um, yeah, I, and well, I, and we we've talked about this before. I mean, it's really you know same thing you you talk about. I know that I, that I probably reference as well as people aren't sitting back and and you know thinking about your brand, which I completely agree with, and I don't think they have time. I, I really try to explain to both people on the marketing side. And on the advertising side, we've gotten so channel specific, uh, whatever the channel is, whether it's stuff you do only in marketing or even stuff you do only in advertising, but the customer, they don't care. They only see one version of you. They're not pulling back the blooming onion to find, you know, what's the inner <laughs> core of your brand. They don't care. They got, and as soon as your ad runs away, if it's not sticky enough, they're moving on and they're getting pitched by a hundred other brands. There's, there's a lot of choices out there. So yeah. I think a lot of what I talk about as well as really sort of, you know, different ways of making things memorable, sticky. I mean, it's all those things are sort of related, but I think it's truly with the understanding that, you know, all of that has to work together and we're living in a world with way too many silos. Yeah. When you think of consumers, do you think of them as they, or do you think of them as yourself or do you, I kind of always hedge and I, I think of them as, ourselves that there creates a danger for putting myself too much in the place of 
who the consumer really is. Yeah, I've always thought of myself as the consumer first before a marketer. And I think that's um, with a healthy dose of, of, I think it comes with being a marketer with a healthy dose of cynicism. I know we've got a lot of smart people who really believe that what a lot of what we're doing um, in different forms of marketing or advertising is always work, always works. But, you know, I don't believe that at all. I mean, we we have the power to to do a lot, but maybe not as much as we sometimes give, our, give ourselves credit for. And so I think at least for that reason, that's that's kind of the, why I try to stay focused on looking at it from a customer's perspective rather than just from a marketer's perspective. Yep. Absolutely. And it keeps you from getting too uh, self-focused, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I've thought about this for a long time that the amount of ads that have like a New York city subway scene in them compared to the amount of people that actually ride a subway, it doesn't, right. it's, doesn't correlate. It doesn't make any sense. And it makes sense for the agency that created it. And maybe the client that's based in New York or the tri-state area, but for someone in Dubuque or Texas, they're like, that's, that's a neat thing that I'll never experience. Yeah. 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 Most of the country doesn't live in Manhattan, even though I work for a wonderful agency that's based right in the heart of Manhattan, you know, the, there is a world between San Francisco and New York I know that's hard for a lot of folks to believe, but even if you're on the East Coast, you know, unless you're in Boston or New York, it doesn't look like the rest of, of the country. Yeah, it's very different. And we have to figure out how to communicate those things um, or communicate something more universal. And it doesn't have to be uh, specific to any particular transit authority. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, you know, you edit this out if you want to, if you don't want to keep it, if if you want to keep it evergreen. But I mean, I even think about this in relation to the COVID, uh, what's going on with, with the coronavirus right now. If you are in New York, and we were just talking about this on an agency call earlier, the bubble that they're in right now and what they see with the news, it just sort of makes you so not self-centered is not the right word, but it's just, it's a different point of view than what if you're not in New York seas right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that will change. And we are, let's just own it. We're recording this during the, the uh, self uh, social distancing yeah. and self-isolation period. That's why we're talking in part um, as the curve moves across the country. And I don't think it'll move directly east to west, but as it jumps up in different areas, we'll see that media focus move from, I don't know what the next city will be, New York. We saw it move to Louisiana. Then it'll probably go whatever the next city is. And what will happen is not only will the curve flatten, the media intensity will flatten because they will start to lose ratings. They'll start to lose viewership. They'll start to feel like the story is getting stale. Uh, and ultimately, they'll say, well, this is a terrible thing for me to say out loud. But from a media perspective, now from a me personally perspective, they will say, well, that city isn't as meaningful as New Orleans is to Americans or that it's not as important of a news story if it's not San Francisco where I can relate it to Facebook being headquartered. You know, so I think we'll start to see them. I think when the media scrutiny dies down, it will free people to just not be so claustrophobic like I am. And we'll just go back to criticizing politicians. Yeah, right. We can get back to the business at hand. So every politician exactly. is, a, is the worst person of all time, even if they're just trying to serve their country and do something honorable. Some of them are, right? We can agree. Some of them. It depends on which channel you watch. <laughs> well, if you watch, if you flip back and forth between both and you only hear good things, 
they're all yeah. honorable. So I think that's how I try to do it. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's me, Mr. Mr. Silver Lining, right? Agreed. Um, but what the reason, the question that I emailed you that, that kicked us off here is as we are cocooning, as we are sitting around, um, I've been very fortunate to be very busy with, uh, work at my day job and also some other side projects and in my family, but we've been just watching a lot of television. I'm calling it television. A lot of it's streams. A lot of it is, you know, might be over the top or a pay-per-view or a lot. Some of it is actually network shows that we hadn't watched in a long time, but we were like, Oh, well, we've got this time period now where there's no commuting and we're here and let's, let's go catch up on this season of this show. Cause we've never watched it before. And you have expertise in uh, television and in addressable and kind of technology behind television. So I wanted to get your pulse on trends that you might be seeing, if any, which I'm sure it's not the first thing on your mind right now, but forecast from you of how you think, you know, it, will there be something that comes out of this as the behavioral change in media that people were not doing before, like, for example, we we subscribed to Disney Plus just because we kn- I knew we were going to be in the house a lot. And I thought mm-hmm. I mean, the kids would enjoy it. And what's really funny is I can't get them to watch it. I thought I was giving them a gift. I was like, well, we're going to be in the house for 45 days here. Let's let's give them a, a library of content. Not interested. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, to, you know, I love the way you preface that as well as you're, you're calling it uh, television. And that's that's a big misnomer, I think, that a lot of people sometimes get too focused on it. And the reason I say that is because I watch, you know, streamed video on a 65-inch laptop. Oh. It's a Samsung or a Vizio as opposed to, you know, an Apple, uh, you know, a MacBook. But so often we look at video as something, some sort of separate entity, but it's yeah. still TV. Yeah. The way it's consumed you know, people are getting too focused on on necessarily whether it comes through a satellite bo- satellite box or a cable. But when you're streaming, uh, you know, when you're streaming Netflix, it's still TV. Right. Yeah. And people now, say, oh, I want in a media plan. They'll say, well, we have to capture people on mobile. Exactly. It's like, well, mobile, what are you even talking about? Like, this is bigger. This device I'm holding up is bigger than the TV I had in my room when I was, mm-hmm. you know, a teenager. It's it's got better resolution and shows higher quality stuff on demand. I didn't even have I had rabbit ears when I was you know 14, exactly. 50 years old. Well, I, I never thought that that people would, and I've heard a lot of people references references as well. I never thought that people would watch as much TV and stream video or download a video on a phone or tablet. But I travel a lot, speaking at a lot of gigs, and I'm always watching movies and stuff on, you know, that I've downloaded from Netflix or Prime or for, from wherever. Um, I do that all the time on the road and, and download that's considered, you know, video for the most part. I don't download stuff from DirecTV because it's clunky and it takes a long time to, to download it to a box. So, you know, some of the just basic things that have made the consumption of stream video so light years better and less clunky than what a lot of the major providers have done have also pushed people. But a lot of it got to be because people were just sick of non-contextual, unrelated ads that didn't make any sense and you had to sit through for years and you had no other choice but to watch them. Now people have choices, so they jumped into watching decades. Yeah, well, ever since... The the first uh, TV ad was shown uh, nearly seventy something years ago. So 
It was uh, 1941. It was a Bulova ad. I use it to start off a lot I've of my seen you. yeah, I've seen uh, you yeah, a lot of my TV presentations, and and I think people sometimes forget the transitions we've made. But you know, a lot of those shows, even that go back to black and white, it's, it's one I on occasion will watch with my toddler, and, I, and it makes me laugh that it's on. It's available on Netflix and Prime. Is you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, people were watching Andy Griffith in black and white on rabbit ears. Then came cable, and it was like one of the highest rated shows on uh, cable with Turner Broadcast Network, or I think it was, it was either TBS or TNT that used to show it over and over and over. It was one of the highest rated uh, daytime shows. Then, now it's being streamed uh, with, with pretty good traffic on both Netflix and and the same thing happened with as we grew with older shows or more recent shows, rather like Friends or Seinfeld, where you see they're paying you know hundreds of millions of dollars to stream shows that are now considered video, which were TV right six seven years ago. And that brand, the Friends brand, so NBC is the show is the network that aired both of those shows, but NBC gets lost in the shuffle. Yes, yeah. they profit on the back end for sure. But they produced content for television, and now they're uh, kind of left in the dust. Unless there's a Peacock logo at the end of every episode, I don't know because Netflix doesn't show you the credits. But it, um, yeah. it's it's the brand of the show that has transcended the brand of the carrier, and that's right there is is the demonstration of how neutral we are. Like I I have a Netflix Netflix subscription, but I don't care about Netflix. And seeing all that Disney has done with Hulu. I've been thinking like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll cancel this or pause this Netflix account and move over to Hulu for six months and catch up on all the good stuff they're doing over there because those are shows more for me. Whereas Netflix, all I'm doing is looking at those windows that they show me and saying, man, isn't it weird that the trending row and the most watched and the top 10 thing that they're doing and the recommended for me are all the same 15 shows. Like that doesn't make sense given the data prowess that I hear about Netflix. But if you look at the if if you look at the consumption of TV today, uh, you are absolutely right because a lot of the production companies are always third parties. You've seen this a lot of years with shows that were on network TV. You know, Lucifer was made by uh, NBC and then switched to um, Netflix once it got pulled off there, and so you see you know, they dialed up. Yeah, you're seeing that more and more. That was even on, not even before that, but just uh, companies. There were a lot of ones like Supergirl uh, was was a CW show that was first on CBS or vice versa. Now I'm kind of forgetting which one. Yeah, there was also once like they, they flipped around from NBC to Scrubs, ABC for a class. Exactly. So you, you've, you've seen a lot of those were sometimes on uh, network TV where it was produced by a different network. Again, those are third-party productions, but you're right. The content is what's pulling us in. Now, the brands would love to tell you, Adam, that they that they care about you, and they they have really spent a lot of time on that. But we know that they only care slightly, um, and they'll send you an email to tell you how much they care, along with uh, some CDC guidelines on how to wash your hands in an email form. They care about you as long as there's a dollar sign attached to it. Exactly. But so that's been a big part of what people I think have still had a a problem understanding that that differentiation and how we consume is not really that much different. The 
I mean, you're you're seeing it. You're still seeing it on a large TV, for example, for the most part. And there's a lot of of consumption that comes in video that does add to the noise. And there are a lot more people that are now watching, obviously, TikTok and and YouTube and everything else. But there's still a huge amount of traffic that are watching those shows, whether they're on Netflix or CBS, whether it's on your PlayStation, Xbox one or your tv or your ipad and that's i think where some people get confused in how we look at consumption now how we look at advertising though has been has made leaps and bounds in the last five or six or seven years in how we really target the people and deliver those ads and that's been a major difference over the last near decade and is the, is the current pattern, so I, my assumption is, I haven't looked at ratings books, but my assumption is that right now news is spiking and local news is probably spiking in a way that is saving people's lives. Uh, do you think that is that going to cook the books and change targeting for the next six months that, you know, this 30, 45, 60 day cycle of people just tuned in relentlessly to their local anchors and flipping back and forth to their cable news channel of choice? Well, I'd love, I, you know, I think most of the TV providers and I stay well connected to quite a few of them. They are, they're struggling right now. I mean, advertising has really taken a bath across the board, but especially in TV, because when you take out the dollars for major sporting events and major other events, concerts, or yeah, those temples, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, those award shows that come on the Grammy this and the Oscar that. And then the, I mean, you think we, we didn't have March Madness. We had March Sadness and March Sadness had nothing other than, you know, Morgan and Morgan commercials or an insurance company. Right. Pacific um, Life. Or, or pharmaceutical. Same. Yeah. Those same, uh, those same Liberty Mutual ads that we see over and over and over with that, that stupid emu. But they're, they're really having a a significant number of people cutting the cord. That is one thing at least is in, is consumption and ad serving that I didn't think would accelerate. There were a lot of people two, three years ago saying that everybody was cutting cord and it was happening and it, they were they were doing it and it was a bunch of BS. I was seeing numbers still, still in growth, working closely with the publishers and managing a lot of those um, national campaigns. This year though, it's been different. And, I, and a lot of that is I don't know how much is predicated on on coronavirus and and that, but we're we're seeing a lot of people cut cut cords right now. So the so the Ms. viewers, so you're seeing the viewers actually change habits away from cords and move more towards the streaming yeah. or moving some more towards over the top or or outside of the traditional right now at the yeah, past quarter. As of the time we were that we're recording this, well, roughly 2019 had a, I believe about a, a five million cut in total uh, cord cutters. So wow. you saw people getting away from the traditional Dish, DirecTV, Comcast. I mean, it's the whole universe, which is still a large universe, but you are starting to see a lot more of that, of those cords being cut. I don't know how much of the pandemic will also contribute to that. Now, consumption of TV is way up right, right. now with what I've seen on stream. It's one of the things taxing the internet. Uh, but you're, but it's not the ad dollars and ads behind it don't reflect that ninety percent, you know, ninety nine percent increase that we're seeing 
across the board because one one thing you're not seeing right now that you would be seeing a lot of and based on projections everybody thought this would be a much heavier ad spend for tv this year michael bloomberg's perfect example we thought that with the election coming yep and he's a perfect example of how much money was coming you're not seeing any political ads the first half of the year you probably won't until we get somewhere closer that was non-stop in january of 2020 now we're not seeing any and that Right. It's going to change a lot of the ad spend as well, because those are dollars that are heavily, heavily dependent, being dependent on. But to show you where some of the spend is being shifted is there was a story, I believe it was an ad week and I did some follow up reading on it. But uh, Trump's Trump's campaign bought the front page of YouTube on Election Day. So if you're on YouTube, they're all over it you'll see their ads somewhere on everything on YouTube, which is very interesting to see that their campaign is, I'm sure going to invest in TV heavily as well as just sure. traditional TV, but you're also seeing where they're diving in full steam into digital with, with YouTube. Yeah. And so more and more it's becoming uh, the, the fragmented versions of video that you referenced earlier, the way that we think about all the different channels of video. Um, yeah brands need to be thinking about the vertical of video the, or vertical of video and the horizontal, all the different ways it's going to touch people as opposed to, well, I need to be on over the top and I need to have an addressable buy and I need to, you have to keep them all connected. It's about getting, reaching that same specific customer, that same specific audience, that same specific end user that you're trying to reach. Yeah. There's so many, so many digital marketers who have believed that we were going to move just we were going to rock it into everything being programmatic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's not where we are yet. Uh, they, they keep yet. Saying, they've been singing that song for 10 years. Yeah. And it's understandable because we thought everything was going to move digital, but then you're starting to see a lot of ads that even in like 2019, like Adidas said, um, overly paraphrasing, but they said that we've invested too much in digital. Now they're seeing that TV and other forms of marketing or fit that mix. And so many, many brands, Adidas is the, is the flag bearer, but many brands bearer. came out exactly. to say like, we need to actually have real face-to-face touches with people that we can, we know we're making a brand impact and not just a singular pixel contact. And I'm not doing an agency commercial, but the agency I work for has a patented attribution technology. And what we're able to recognize, at least on the connected side, with where ads are seen across, and it's not model data, it's, it's real data uh, based on our patented technology, is that we're able to see where a TV ad uh, that's served through a connected device at least fits that journey. And it's really an eye-opener for a lot of people, and I use it sort of as a, a money shot slide with different actual campaign data, that maybe for you know instead of thinking that Google served every ad to get me to go buy, and that's why I should only believe last click. It, it becomes a really difficult conversation for people to understand until they see it and recognize it. And so one of sort of my own money shots I use is a show that Google has the first click that somebody went to Google and they searched for something, but then they um, maybe they saw an ad through a connected TV device on CNN, mm-hmm. or then they saw something on Facebook. Uh, then they saw something you know, through some uh, trade desk type data, or maybe they saw a display ad or another uh, Google ad, or maybe they saw one on Bing. And then they saw a TV ad, and then they converted on Google at the end. So then Google gets credit for last click. Now, 
Google did gave the world of marketing, digital marketing, a gift with the most amazing analytics platform they could give. It far exceeds what everybody else is doing. But it also tells their story. It is prioritized well. to tell the Google story. Absolutely. And it and tells it in, a, in an incredible way and a valuable way. But it's not the only way. Well, and it's, you know, I laugh. I used to joke about Bing being the redheaded stepchild, but Bing drove 10% of my growth when I was on the brand side and I did not ignore it. I don't know of any brand who could ever say, let's ignore 10% of, of growth. We don't really want to focus the waste, waste the time thinking about TV. And the, my point or about Bing, my point is you got to look at all the parts of the journey because your, your consumer is somebody who has ADHD like me and they're looking yeah. on 20 different channels before they get to you and they're Absolutely. doing a lot more research and being is a content. Yeah. Bing is a great example too, because not only does it drive that 10% or up to 20% for some brands, it does it yeah. at a much cheaper CPM or, a, or Absolutely. whatever oh your gosh, input yeah. measurement is. It's always, almost always cheaper and it, it has a ceiling, but I'll take yeah. that ceiling. That That's a good deal for most brands. I see that um, one stat that I did see is that being, um, traffic actually is up right now during during this uh, right. period where during the coronavirus period where people are using more laptops, mobile usage is down, which was up at almost eighty percent of most web visits and web traffic is kind of dropping down to every every week it seems to be going down another three or four percent as people get more ensconced on their couch and say, well, why don't I just use this bigger screen with a keyboard instead of swiping so I can get a little bit more immersed and bounce back and forth between a streaming video and a website. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the Bain Capital Report in 2019 um, came out and she, um, she put out, you know, really important stat that I think for a lot of us that live in an attribution sense uh, understand is that 88% of, of people are using a secondary device when watching their TV. Yep. That is not a remote control. That's a phone. Yep. So there's a lot of mobile purchasing purchases being made. And it also makes sense that a lot of times you're going to go and spend, you're going to spend a lot more money on uh, that, that last click version of mobile search and you're going to optimize those ads, but not understanding where a TV ad can fall into place to help trigger that. The same thing goes with direct mail could be email, but TV's getting a lot more, uh, connectable. You're able to connect more dots than you, you could before. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've seen that with what connected TV's done. I drove uh, a pretty good chunk of the world's addressable TV campaigns for quite a few years. And the smartest brands were really looking at that where they were taking their first party data. They could have it uh, bumped up against a TV subscriber file in a very clean environment. I mean, it was like Fort Knox. Um, it, in the groups I work with in big data, that data was then used to, uh, once it was hashed and sent back over to the TV subscribers, they could then take that file and trigger an ad campaign that was addressable. Then if they would provide the sales data back, you could get an anonymized data report that shows clean, pure attribution of whether a TV ad Influence. triggered triggered a sale and how many touches did it take just like yep. you could with TV. Now, one of the biggest problems though, and you're starting to see more movement in this, and I've, I've had several conversations with people about this that are still making me feel a little bit better about how we we're going to future be targeting <clears throat> is that one of the problems with all providers being is competing for dollars against uh, Microsoft, or sorry, against uh, Google. 
Um, Facebook is competing against Google. Amazon's competing against Facebook. They're all competing with each other's in these, you know, walled gardens. Yep. And in TV, we don't have an analytics dashboard that runs in real time that sees regardless across the channel because they're competing for ad dollars as well. Yep. So whether or not the ad is run on, you know, through a direct TV or a Comcast ad, or it's run through something that's streamed on, you know, through Hulu doesn't matter to your customer at all. But what a marketer's got to understand is where they saw that ad, what did it help also trigger? And, you know, just don't think of it only as one channel. And that's so much of, so much of what people are doing is relying on model data and forgetting that as part of <laughs> or maybe not giving enough emphasis to it. nobody's forgetting it. No smart marketers are, but they're not under, they're not able to connect the dots. Yes. And they're not able to weight that model to see the whole picture. Yeah. And in TV, I mean, you're looking at a major amount of spin. I mean, half the campaigns that were, I would work on were somewhere between, you know, 250,000 and 2.5 million. I mean, in TV, the buy is much bigger. The impact is, is stronger, but you're measuring that over a 30 and 60 day window. You're not, you're not AB testing unless you have a significant amount of, of impressions for a major national buy. You're not able to pivot that the same way you can uh, a banner ad, but a banner ad costs you nothing and you only expect a 2% conversion anyway. Right. Most of the time. So yeah, and you you know, can achieve the stakes that. are different. Yeah, you can achieve the necessary uh, impressions for that test in the first couple of weeks of that campaign or the first couple of days of the campaign and yeah. turn it around and optimize and have a second AV going inside 10 days. But what, I, what I've really found uh, to be, you know, sort of a, a, a sweet spot that I, I love to explain to people is that, you know, I, I speak at both marketing conferences and I speak at advertising conferences. And it's so different and dynamic. <laughs> of the two and how they converge together. Yeah. And it's, it's not necessarily one group speaking um, Greek and the other speaking, you know, Chinese and they don't understand each other, but it's, it's a little bit like Spanish and Portuguese. Yeah. Um, you know, and I speak both and, and Portuguese is, is drunk Spanish and not understanding exactly what somebody's saying and how the, how the customer is going to interpret that and where it works into the mix we're just in a very siloed environment that still creates a lot of problems to be able to optimize campaigns extremely well without at least understanding how the consumer is truly digesting both your paid media, your organic stuff, your blog stuff, all the pieces that come in between. And TV's really feeling one of the strongest impacts of that right now. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for making time. Uh, during all this craziness that's going on. Um, I really appreciate you sitting down and talking through this with me. It's been, it's been helpful, illuminating for yeah. some projects I'm working on. So sorry, I, I should send you a consulting check. Uh, you're welcome. Well, I would say the only interview that would probably have been better was you on episode 140 of my show. <laughs> talking about specific. Is that the show? Is that the number I was on? That's, that's the number. I, I just checked it before. What number are you on? What's the newest episode? I know you had 200 was a big one. Uh, 2.16, I think I just posted this week. But you know, I've, I've dialed back a little bit. I'm not doing three a week during during the pandemic. I'm, you know, even I have to dial back my own content. I, I did one this week on advertising. 
But last week, it was about experience and how that's going to change, yeah. you know, how customer experience is going to change. I mean, I've, one of the things we talked about, I mean, I know we're always trying to put out thoughtful conversations because we'll get through this, but you also have to think of contextually, does anybody want to hear about advertising or something else during the wrong time? It's just something we're always going to do. This is the one time I've thought about non-evergreen. Yep, uh, me too. In the last couple of years. I'm owning the, what we're talking about now and, and some of the reasons exactly. why for most of these episodes. And um, I, I figure people have a choice. If they don't if they don't want to listen, I understand. And if they want to listen, I, I want to provide something that's useful during the to, as a distraction or as a tool. Well, the only difference between this episode now and two years from now is I will be better prepared for toilet paper, Clorox wipes, <laughs> hand, hand sanitizer, and uh, stuff like that that's Amen. really important in life. But where can uh, people for, where can people find you online, Kenneth? Best place is LinkedIn, Kenneth Kenny, or find me on uh, my website, asharksperspective.com. That's the easiest place because it's got all the links to me, the show, how to get in touch with me, and more. Yeah, and your podcast is amazing. I think the I guests it. you have, I'm, I'm, I hate to say, uh, hashtag honored. Uh, to be on it. But when I look at the roster, when I see the posts and the new episodes come into my feed, I'm like, how the hell did I get on a show with those guys are on that show? It's it's pretty amazing. God, you have the, the guests you have are amazing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, you were an amazing guest as well. So oh, thanks, don't, don't knock yourself. I appreciate it. I appreciate the honor of being on your show. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Wait, don't stop listening. The show's not over. If you liked what you just heard or you've liked any of the episodes of the Strategy Inside Everything, do me a favor. I really appreciate it. Leave a review wherever you listen to the show, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever. Please leave us a rating and a review. Please, if you can, share this episode or another episode with a friend. Let them know what you liked about it. Uh, That helps us quite a bit. If you have ideas for guests, for topics, follow up on episodes you've heard, you can tweet at us at APierno, that's me, or at strategy underscore inside, that's the show. Either way, I promise I will respond to you and get back to you right away. And listen, running this show is a labor of love. I really do it just because I enjoy the conversations, but it does cost money. So web hosting costs money. Microphones cost money. My kids' haircuts cost money. If you wouldn't mind, look at our Patreon, it's Patreon, uh, Adam Pierno there and you could help us out quite a bit. For more information about all the guests we've had, anything you want to know about the podcast, uh, my two books, Underthink It in Specific, or ways to engage with me as a strategy consultant or as a speaker at your next event, please go to adampierno.com and you'll find all the information you want. And if you can't, just send me a note. Thanks a lot.